Amen. I'm happy to have an extra backup water here. Take a run out. Drop it here. Amen. How y'all doing tonight? You had a good week? I'm kind of tired myself, but hopefully I don't fall asleep in the middle of this. That would be really bad, but I hope you don't fall asleep too. Amen. Uh, I'm just going to tell you right from the beginning what I felt to talk to uh, us about tonight, and that is about balance. Balance is something that can be very difficult to have. And one reason it's so difficult to have is because it kind of causes us to have to multitask, to keep our attention on multiple things at one at once. And how many of you are good at multitasking? Oh, okay. I see a couple of hands. Uh, They say that nobody is good at multitasking. That's what they say. Now, I don't think that that's true. But I think just the vast majority of us are horrible at it. And that's why it's so difficult to have a balance in life, I think. And not just in life, but in many areas. And so we're going to talk about that. You know, really, life is about Balance, And as long as we keep in balance, things can go pretty, pretty smoothly. But as soon as we get out of balance, it can hurt our relationships. It can hurt our health. It can hurt our, our, ourselves mentally, physically. And uh, just it throws everything out of whack. You know, it's interesting that there are so many examples I could give about where balance is important. Food. Balance is very important in food. That balance of flavors. A few years ago, I had the culinary delight of having a maple bacon milkshake. And that was a heart attack waiting to happen, but it was delicious. And that balance of flavors of that sweet from the maple and the salty from the bacon. Maybe I shouldn't be talking about food right now. Have you had dinner yet? I haven't. All right, let's move on quickly. (laughs) But God cares about us having balance. God cares about us having balance. He really does. You'll find that the word balance, at least in this usage, does not even appear one time in the Bible. The only time the word balance is used in the Bible is when it's talking about a fair and a just balance, or what we would call today a scale. That's the only time the Bible ever uses the word balance, and yet... You see it weaved into the scripture so much, this concept of balance. If you look at the book of Revelation, there were letters that God wrote to each of the seven churches. And really what he was talking to them about was, how is their balance? And he would say, hey, you know what? You're doing pretty good over here, but you're not really in balance over here. And you need to kind of take a look at how you're doing over here. Because at one church, he said, if you don't correct us. You're going to lose that thing that even identifies you as being one of my churches. That's how far out of balance they were. So God cares about balance. You know, we have a saying in, in, um, in English. I don't know if it's a saying or it's a something. A proverb, I don't know. But we say, all work and no play makes Jack a, a dull boy. Not a doughboy, but a dull boy. There's other things that can make him a doughboy. But anyways, but if we turn that around, all work and no play makes Jack a dull boy. If we turn that around and say all play and no work, what would that make Jack? What do you think? Fun. 
A fine boy. All work and no play makes Jack a... A lazy boy. Uh, a what? A recliner. Just taking it easy. Yes. A what? A hard worker. Well, that's a new concept. You might say it would make him a lazy boy. It would make him a dumb boy. It would make him an undisciplined boy. It would make him a lot of different things. But you got to have a balance. Work is important. If we all just decided, hey, I'm just going to quit working and just, that's it. Amen. Pretty soon. <laughs> and the retirees said, amen. <laughs> but if we all just decide, I'm not going to work another day in my life. Pretty soon we'd be starving and lose our cars or houses. and It'd be pretty difficult. But at the same time, if that's all you do, it's not much of a life either, I suppose. You know, the Bible says of God that, this is kind of a difficult concept, but the Bible says that God is a man of war. Have you ever heard that before? God is a man of war. But yet he is also the prince of peace. How does that work? There's balance. There's balance. I will not say in the force, but there is balance. You know, God wants us to have a balance between work and rest. We actually find this is the very first concept that God instituted in the Bible. In the book of Genesis chapter 1, verses 1 through 5, it says, In the beginning God created the heaven and the earth, and the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. And God saw the light, that it was good. And God divided the light from the darkness. And God called the light day. And the darkness he called night. And the evening and the morning were the first day. And after six days of God working, the Bible tells us that he created everything in six days. What did he do on the seventh day? Let's look at the book of Exodus chapter 20, verse 9 through 11. You know, there's some people who really, uh, they, they do their best to follow the Sabbath. They feel like that, as the Bible teaches, they, they feel like that's a necessary thing for their walk with God. And they do their best to follow the Sabbath. And that's, that's all right. But, you know, the Sabbath, the teaching of the Sabbath does not start with taking a day of rest. Okay. Exodus chapter 20, verse 9 through 11, it says, Six days sh shalt thou labor. So you have to work six days and do all that work. But the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord thy God. In it thou shalt not do any work. Thou nor thy son nor thy daughter, thy manservant nor thy maidservant, nor thy cattle, nor thy stranger that is within thy gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that in them is, and rested the seventh day. Wherefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day. And hallowed it. So we see here from the very creation God has already instituted. You need to have a balance between your work and your rest. Yeah. You know, there's some people that really get this balance just completely wrong. And there's some people that say, well, I think I need to rest six days. And maybe once in a while I'll work one. That sounds pretty nice, doesn't it? But it's not healthy. It's unsustainable. 
There's no sense of accomplishment. There's nothing that will give you courage and that will give you motivation, that will give you confidence. But just because you work six days and you got a lot left on your plate doesn't mean we should just keep on going. We need that balance. We need that rest. We need that rest. I know we believe that in the New Testament that the Holy Ghost is our rest. And the Holy Ghost is somewhat of a replacement of the Sabbath. It's the fulfillment of the Sabbath. And while I do believe that, I do still think it's important for us to take a rest. If we would look at the book of Mark, chapter 6, verse 30 and through verse 32. It says... And the apostles gathered themselves together unto Jesus and told him all things, both what they had done and what they had taught. Jesus had just sent them out, and he sent them out two by two, uh, kind of like the animals going in the ark. I'm, I'm just kidding. Some of those were in pairs of seven, but that's okay. So he sent them out two by two for their mission. And he told them exactly what to do. And, and they came back and they said, wow, we have wonderful results. And so Jesus, it says, and he said unto them, Come ye yourselves apart into a desert place and rest a while. Did you know that Jesus at times, it tells us that he would leave the multitude and find a place of rest? There was one time, there was a crowd that was gathered around him and he had gone all the way as far as he could to the seashore and he couldn't retreat any further and there were so many people who had so many needs who had so many demands who had so many questions and so many problems and finally he said i just just can't do it he got in a boat and he went to the other side so that jesus who was god in the flesh could take a break If Jesus needed to take a break once in a while, I think sometimes we do too. For for there were many coming and going, and they had no leisure so much as to eat. And they departed into a desert place by ship privately. I remember hearing a minister. (laughs) He was a very hard worker. And he was speaking with another minister, a friend. And the minister... uh, I don't remember either of their names. One minister said, you know, I I do my best. I work for God as much as I can. The other one said, you know, I do too. But, you know, I need a break. And so I'm going to take a day off. And this is actually my my first day off in in 30, 30 years or something like that. He said, I'm never taking a day off. And the other minister said, well, how do you plan to spend that day? Are you going to be able to answer to God for how you spend that day? The guy thought, oh, my Lord, I just want a break. That's a life out of balance. There are many areas, and I'm, not, I'm actually not going to talk. Well, that, that is a terrible thing for a preacher to say. I'm not going to talk very long because they always do. So I'm not going to say it. Another area of our lives where we need to have balance. And if we get out of balance, it really causes problems. And that is in our walk with God, our individual time with God, our devotions, our prayer, reading the Word. How many of you, I want to ask you, how many of you in your devotions find it easier 
to do one or the other of praying or reading your Bible. One, it doesn't take that much discipline to do, but the other one, that's a bit more of a struggle. How many of you find it to be that way? I do. I do. How many of you find it easier to read your Bible? I'm, I'm talking about battling the flesh. It's not like you don't enjoy it once you're doing it, but how many of you find it easier to read your Bible? I do. How many of you find it easier to pray? Yes. There is, right, right now, there is no right and there is no wrong. But the important thing is that we have a balance. I knew of a, of a young lady when I was in Bible school. She was always a little bit different, to be honest, but she loved to pray. And she, at one point, and I don't know if this is true or not, but she said that she was praying five hours every day, which, wow, that sounds awesome. It sounds really spiritual. But the problem is she quit reading her Bible. She wasn't studying the Word of God at all. And within a very short time, would you believe she was completely backslidden? Completely, entirely. Far away from God. Into all sorts of mysticism and spiritualism. Why is that? Because prayer and the Word of God have different functions in our life. And they're both very necessary and very important for keeping us balanced in our walk with God. I know of other people who read the Word of God very, very... Um, I would use the word religiously, but I guess that would be true, wouldn't it? I mean, they do it very, I mean, very faithfully. But they have a hard time praying. And what invariably ends up happening is they become very legalistic many times, but yet lacking any power of the Spirit in their life. Each of these things are so important. We need the Word of God to give us direction. The Bible says, Thy Word is a lamp unto my feet. But without the Spirit of God in us, how can we walk the path? That his word illuminates. This balance of the word and prayer is so important. In Joshua chapter 1 and verse 8, it says, Joshua told the people, he said, This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth. What it means is you need to be talking about this all the time. But thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. How many of you think it's important for us to be meditating on the Word of God and, and talking with others about the Word of God? And I believe it is. In Matthew chapter 4, verse 4. It says, but he answered and said, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. 1 Timothy 4 verse 13 says, till I come, and I'm sorry, I should have given you a list of my scriptures beforehand. You're working so hard, keep it up, you're doing such a great job. It says, till I come, give attendance to reading, to exhortation, to doctrine. Focus on the Word. Make everything about the Word. It was 
Paul who said that. But then to the church at Thessalonica in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 17, he says, pray without ceasing. So what am I supposed to do? Paul, you tell me to pray without ceasing. But then at the same time, you're telling me I'm, I'm supposed to always be talking about the Word of God and always have it in my mind. And What am I supposed to do? I can't be doing one thing continually and be doing another thing continually both at the same time. What do you do? Brother Jason, yes, I have a little story that kind of goes along with that. I, uh, in my early days in the car business, I hired a young man, and uh, he, uh, he would bring his Bible to work, hmm. and uh, the problem was that he would take his Bible in the break room, and he would, his break would uh, last about twice as long as everybody else's work. <laughs> and uh, it just didn't work for very long. Yeah. You know, he was... <laughs> Yep. Absolutely. Exactly. That reminds me of a story my dad told about a guy he worked with that this this man, you know, he would take his break and he would want to eat lunch and stuff. But then just as it was time to start work or get back to work, then he would want to leave his job and go around and start talking to people about Jesus. And he thought he was being a good witness, but he was actually being the opposite. He was making people think, man, if that's what a Christian's like, don't do their job. Make it worse for everybody else. Make it harder on everybody else. Why would I want to be like that? I could become a Christian and become a worse person. That sounds great. Uh, Acts chapter 6, verse 4. This is the answer to the balance of prayer and the word. They said, but we will give ourselves, as the apostle speaking, continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. A balance. A balance. And I'm actually coming to my last of three. And that is the balance between grace and fear. Grace and fear. Brother, brother Steve Smith preached such a, a powerful message on Sunday about the grace of God. And, and if we could really understand the grace of God and the lengths that God is willing to go to to show His grace in our lives, as well as those who do not even know Him or have never even heard His name. I mean, He thought up a plan to make a body and to inhabit that body and to live on this earth for 33 years so that He could die a painful death on a cross and then resurrect, and then ascend, all for the purpose of showing His grace. That's the links that He would go to. And sometimes we wonder, God, is He going to provide something small for me in a few weeks? Amen.
But it's important that we understand the balance of who God is. He is a man of war at the same time as being the prince of peace. In 1 John chapter 2, verse 1, it says, My little children, these things write I unto you that ye sin not. And if any man sin, and we all do. We ain't supposed to, but we make mistakes. We have an advocate with the Father, Christ Jesus the righteous. In John chapter 8, verse 10 and 11, it tells us a story of a woman who was caught in the very act of breaking one of the Ten Commandments. She was committing adultery. How humiliating. I don't know if I can think of a more humiliating circumstance to be caught in. That you were caught breaking this commandment and people walked in as you were breaking the commandment. And they drag you out in the street in front of the whole crowd and tell them what you've done. I can't imagine something much more humiliating. But Jesus loved her. And it says, when Jesus had lifted up himself and saw none but the woman, he said unto her, Woman, where are those thine accusers? Hath no man condemned thee? And she said, No man, Lord. And Jesus said unto her, Neither do I condemn thee. Jesus was the one who, when he, before he was God incarnate, had with his own hand written that commandment in a table of stone. And yet here, when a woman was caught breaking it, he says, I do not condemn you. But he didn't finish there. A lot of the time, that's where our focus stops. But he said, Go. And sin no more. Amen. Acts chapter 5 verses 1 through 11. Tells us the story of two individuals who didn't get that second chance. And actually I can't really say that. Because maybe this was their second chance. Maybe this was their third chance. Maybe this was their tenth chance. Maybe it was their fiftieth chance. I don't know how many chances they had had before this. But all I know is how this story ended for Ananias and Sapphira. It says, But a certain man named Ananias with Sapphira, his wife, sold a possession and kept back part of the price. His wife also being privy to it and brought a certain part and laid it at the apostles' feet. But Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled thine heart to lie to the Holy Ghost and to keep back part of the price of the land? Whilst it remained, was it not thine own? And after it was sold, was it not in thine own power? Why hast thou conceived this thing in thine heart? Thou hast not lied unto men, but unto God. But what did God say? Neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. He didn't say that this time. And Ananias, hearing these words, fell down and gave up the ghost. And great fear came on all them that heard these things. If that happened... Right here at T.O.P. You think that would freak you out a little bit? Someone you know their name. Fell down and died. And and not while they were worshiping God. But after they had just told a lie in the house of God. 
That'd freak me out. I'd stop lying. Yeah. <laughs> Amen. You wouldn't, you wouldn't have as much trouble with that sin anymore, would you? And the young man arose, wound him up, and carried him out and buried him. And it was about the space of three hours after when his wife, not knowing what was done, came in. And Peter answered unto her. Apparently she didn't get the text. <laughs> and Peter answered unto her, tell me whether ye sold the land for so much. And she said, yea, for so much. Then Peter said unto her, how is it? That ye have agreed together to tempt the spirit of the Lord. Behold, the feet of them which have buried thy husband are at the door and shall carry thee out. Then she fell down straightway at his feet and yielding up the ghost. And the young men came in and found her dead and carrying her forth, buried her by her husband. And great fear came upon all the church and upon as many as heard these things. Where was the grace of God? Was God not gracious towards them? I believe God's grace is revealed to us all. God doesn't love one person any more than he loves another person. God's grace is as abundant towards one person as it is anyone else. But there's a balance. Sometimes we, you know, and invariably... And again, the problem comes when we're out of balance. Mm -hmm. There are churches in America. I don't know. There may even be some in this town. I don't know. Or in this group of three cities. There may be some churches that would say, you can live any way you want. And it's okay because of the grace of God. You can do anything you want and it doesn't matter. You can sin as much as you want and... It's okay because of God's grace. They're, on one, they're in one ditch off the road. But there's other churches that would say, if you do anything, the smallest thing, you're going to hell. And usually they have that kind of accent. But <laughs> They're off the road in the other ditch. We've got to have a balance. We've got to have an understanding in our minds. God is a gracious God. God will not leave me. He will never forsake me. He will never let me down. When I'm struggling, He will lift me out of the miry clay. When I'm a lost sheep, He will come and find me. That's who God is. But at the same time, this is what happened in Nice and Sapphira. Proverbs chapter 9, verse 10 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the holy is understanding. You want to have wisdom? If you don't have any fear of God, you don't have it. Amen. We've got to have a fear of God. There will be a day where all, John said, I saw the small and the great. All stood before that throne. And God will judge. 
the righteous, and the wicked. Amen. Last scripture, Romans chapter 11. See, it's a good thing I didn't say it. So that way we can end early. It's a good thing I didn't say it. I was going to end early. Romans chapter 11, verse 17 through 36. This is, uh, Paul is speaking allegorically here, or, um, yeah, allegorically, I suppose. He's making a comparison to an olive tree. And that there was an olive tree, and the branches of that olive tree were the children of Israel. But because they didn't believe God, because they didn't believe in the Messiah, God cut them out of the olive tree. And there was a wild olive tree over here that had no right to ever be part of this olive tree. But because the branches of the wild olive tree believed, they were cut out of the wild olive tree and put into this olive tree that represents God and his people. It says, and if some of the branches be broken off and thou being a wild olive tree were grafted in among them and with them partakest of the root and the fatness of the olive tree, boast not against the branches. It means we don't have any right to look down on the Jews because they didn't believe God or because right now we're the people of God. But if thou boast, thou bearest not the root, but the root thee. Thou wilt say then the branches were broken off that I might be grafted in. Well, because of unbelief, they were broken off, and thou standest by faith. Be not high-minded, but fear. For if God spare not the natural branches, take heed, lest he also spare not thee. Behold, therefore, the goodness and severity of God. We've got to have an understanding of his goodness. It's a very sad thing when a Christian does not understand just how good of a God they serve. Just how much of a provider he is. Just how much of a healer he is. Amen. God is our provider for everything, no matter what it is that we need. He's able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we can ask or think. Behold the goodness of God but also the severity of God on them which fell severity but toward thee goodness if thou continue in his goodness otherwise thou also shall be cut off and they also if they abide not still in unbelief meaning if they turn back to believing God they shall be grafted in for God is able to graft them in again For if thou wert cut out of the olive tree, which is wild by nature, and were grafted contrary to nature into an olive tree, how much more shall these, which be the natural branches, be grafted into their own olive tree? For I would not, brethren, that ye should be ignorant of this mystery, lest ye should be wise in your own conceits, that blindness in part is happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles be come in. And so all Israel shall be saved, as it is written. There shall come out of Zion the deliverer, and shall turn away ungodliness from Jacob. For this is my covenant unto them, when I shall take away their sins. As concerning the gospel, they are enemies for your sakes. But as touching the election, they are beloved for the Father's sakes. For the gifts and calling of God 
are without repentance. For as ye in times past have not believed God, yet have now obtained mercy through their unbelief, even so have these also now not believed, that through your mercy they also may obtain mercy. For God hath concluded them all in unbelief, that he might have mercy upon all. Oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and his ways past finding out. For who hath known the mind of the Lord, or who hath been his counselor, or who hath first given to him, and it shall be recompensed unto him again. For of him and through him and to him are all things, to whom be glory forever. Amen. Amen. Let's all stand. We've got to have balance. Where do we find our balance from? From my own mind? From my own heart? How do we know what is balanced? By studying and knowing the word of God. Jesus told some people, he said, you need to search the scriptures for there you think ye have eternal life. He was saying, you think, according to your current knowledge of the Word of God, that you're all right. But he said, you need to go back and look at the book again. Amen. We will be judged by the book. We need to know the book. Amen. Hallelujah. Let's, let's just close in prayer, if that's all right. Amen. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for this time that you've given us tonight. Lord, I ask that you would bless each one of us that have made the effort to be here, Lord. God, I ask that you would bless us with strength for our work and whatever our task may be that we have tomorrow. Lord, I ask that you would give us great rest tonight, Lord. Give us peaceful sleep tonight. Lord, I ask that you would help us, God, to have balance, to find balance in our lives, in our walk with you, in our relationships, in our our work life, and in our our resting life, Lord. Help us, Jesus, to be sensitive to your voice and open to any change that you would ask of us, Lord. In Jesus' name, help us to be balanced in you, Lord. We love you, Jesus. Amen. 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 God bless you.